the unawareness is the biggest piece. And it happens in many arenas, right? The Enneagram truly is about awareness. So we, we right. can know what to work on. The tricky part is that we have so many blocks of unawareness in our lives and we have to do the work to be more aware of them. The world around us is changing faster than ever. We hear people say, everything's a blur. And when we're living in our little self, a self in survival mode, a self that's living out what others believe we should do or who we should be, we compromise our joy. We put limits on ourselves and how we show up day in and day out. We believe we all have a big self and pursuing it is holy work. We also believe that most of us let fear persuade us not to pay attention to it. So we stay in this vicious cycle between fear and entrapment that keeps us playing small. But when we combine an insatiable curiosity to know our true self with the courage to share our innate gifts with the world, we get closer and closer to our big self. Today on The Big Self Show, we are excited to present to you Milton Stewart, the founder of Kaizen Careers Coaching and Consulting, who loves facilitating the Enneagram and helping people feel seen. He's one of the very few African-American male Enneagram teachers in the world. And Milton believes the Enneagram is more than just a personal tool, but a map of how to truly honor the humanity of others. And he uses the Enneagram in many ways, but the most powerful way he uses it is in the spaces of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Milton also hosts the Do It For The Gram podcast. You should check that out and his other work. I met Milton last summer at a CP Enneagram retreat and have been following him ever since. Milton Stewart, welcome to the Big Self Show. I'm excited to be here, Chad. I really appreciate the invitation. Milton, start us off, if you could, with just giving us an a beginning point of your origin story, say, with how did the Enneagram find you? Yeah, so um, about, I say 12 years, every time I say this story, and I've been telling this story for multiple years, but around 12 years ago, probably about 15 or 16 now that I've been telling this story, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was in a young adults group at uh, my church, and we were having a Devo, so we was just kicking back, eating food, chilling uh, around, talking to each other. And our young adult minister at the time brings out um, this big blue book. And I was like, what's this? He was like, y'all want to take a personality test? And I'm like, yeah, let's get it. I love personality tests, you know? And uh, that big blue book, as many know, is the Wisdom of Enneagram. And um, they have a two-question test in there. And so he asked the questions, and I got both my letters correct. Um, and so what he did, he would go around reading, like, the first couple of paragraphs of each one for people who, you know, set their letters and got their letters or whatever. And right. so he's, he's first reading the seven, the first, like first two paragraphs and everything's great. I'm like, yes, of course this is me. Yes. We all know this. Yes. All the good stuff about the seven, right? Quote unquote, good stuff. Right. And then 
It takes a hard turn when you get to the fourth or the third and the fourth paragraph. And it's like all this stuff that people really don't really see about you, but it's actually, you know, it's happened. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and he is, he's reading this out to everybody. So I'm in there trying to look extra normal while I'm feeling really fidgety and like weird and exposed on the inside. So I'm like, oh no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. I don't know. I had to look at that. I don't know if that's true or not. That part. I don't know. Going good and well. Good and well. Like, oh, this is true. Oh, this is too true. Like, I'm like Big Brother's watching me or something. Like, it's crazy. So uh, that hooked me. And as soon as I left that house, immediately I Googled and tried to find everything on the Enneagram I could consume at the time. And at the time, it wasn't as many books. Shout out to your amazing book. It wasn't as many books. Uh, wasn't as many. <laughs> I did a plug for you. Um, and it wasn't uh, that many podcasts. I think it was like literally two podcasts out there. And it was like, it was a couple of books, but they were by people who had been writing for a while, you know. So, it, you know, but I consumed as much as that I could. Um, kept consuming, kept growing in knowledge, mistyped a lot of people as I came through learning Enneagram when you first get there. You've known it for about, you're staying 12 to 15 years. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because you go through this deep learning phase and something I heard Russ Hudson say, and I think there was a turn at that year when he said that, he says, you really don't know the Enneagram, like really, really, really know until about year 10. And I was like, what? I was like, come on, man. And then when your 10 hit for me, there was something that shifted. I was like, oh, shoot. I think that he's right. Oh, oh, okay. So, yeah, I go a little bit far back with it, just a little bit. By the way, I want to back up a tiny bit and just remark on that, that experience of feeling like vulnerable and known that you felt that immediately. I, I do think that that's a very common experience with the Enneagram, which I find fascinating and which when we do trainings, right? Just because you want to prepare people that, hey, we're in the workplace and these are some ways that at first you're going to be like, oh, this is cool. I recognize myself. And then you're going to start going like, oh, and I'm almost being outed in a way here. Oh, yes. I completely agree with you on that. Um, it's, um, it's a delicate balance for a good Enneagram facilitator to go into a professional space or evening space when you're teaching it to a multitude of people who don't really know it because yeah. the language means something, right? Certain words are certain triggers to certain people and their type structures and how you deliver it and how other people look at them. It's all, it's, it's all that. So, you know, holding that space in a safe and a healthy way so that you mm. can, people can explore, but also feel seen and then also feel held when they do feel seen. And maybe there's guilt or shame or fear that pops up. You know, how can as a facilitator or trainer, you still hold the space for that so that they're still okay in that space. It's an art, I would say. Yes. Yes. It's a, it is an art. It's a dance. You know, why do you think Milton, I mean, with all of the background and the training now that you've had, we'll get into your, your coaching uh, company, but like, why do you think in particular the Enneagram stands out for self-awareness work? Man, um, that's that's a good question. I, I think one of the biggest reasons, it, it just, it hits the nail on the head with our patterns. Like I've, 
I have yet to find anything. And, and I'm a person, I love personality tests, like especially before personality, all the systems, all that kind of stuff. You know, I love, it. I mean, it's fun. You know, I love human psychology, right? Yeah. But, and it sounds like you've had a natural curiosity for a long time. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, and I've always wanted to be the best, like, it sounds weird, be the best I could be, but I have <laughs> um, internally. So I've always loved those things, but something special about the Enneagram. There's this way that the Enneagram um, pinpoints and touches parts of us that like a lot of other things don't. So it gives us the why that I feel is so important instead of just the what. And I feel like a lot of other personality things, they do a great job of describing your what, but not actually your why, aka your motivations behind mm -hmm. what you do. And this is, to me, what separates the Enneagram and makes it so important. Because if I understand the why, now I have something I can really work with. Now I have something I can look on. I can say, okay, have to heal here, right? Or this is where it's coming from. I'm not just addressing symptoms anymore, right? I'm addressing, like, what's the root cause of that behavior or pattern that I seem to be stuck in? So that's why I think it's so powerful, because it just, it's a journey, and it's deep. You know, being more uh, authentically me is one of the things that's very important uh, to me in my in my area of growth. And so, um, as I walk on this journey, as I grow on this journey, this inner work journey, I realize more and more things, and people bring more things to light for me. They illuminate them for me, you know. Um, and one of the things that, like, I don't have great relationships without my my, my big four emotions. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as a seven, okay. as a seven, naturally, you can read the book and understand that, hey, you need to get in contact with sadness. Okay, I can work on that, right? <laughs> yeah. I, it's not fun, but I, at least I know exactly. So I've, I've worked on sadness, right? Constantly working on sadness, you know? And that is not fun at all, y'all. My goodness. But um, the work is still liberating for me overall. Um, fear. I know as a head type, right? Try it. Competency. Fear is of running the show a lot of times in the background. I know that. So now I can constantly see fear more, more obviously. And I've been working through that on a regular basis, right? Yeah, like happiness, joy, you know, I kind of live in that arena a little bit, right? But actually feeling true happiness and joy uh, mm -hmm. comes from me actually working through sadness and fear. That's a, a big way that I actually experience true joy. Um, now, where what caught me up and where it's like I wasn't showing up authentically and how I can truly be me more and more is that the emotion of anger, man, I thought I was totally okay. <laughs> I was like, me and anger, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't got those quote unquote anger problems, as they say, or whatever. And um, come to find out, actually, I don't have those, but I do have uh, unhealthy relationship with anger because I don't fully show up in, in many places, right? I hold parts of me back. I don't stand up for like myself in certain ways, or I don't show up in certain ways as fully me. You know what I'm saying? That like mm -hmm. kind of, kind of, it's like a, you, you kind of get a, a version of me, but you're not getting all of me. Um, and part of it sometimes is that I'm not in touch with anger because of a lot me being a black man and like right. me, me showing anger in public, mm -hmm. like that, that could be dangerous for me first and foremost, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. As a seven laugh saying something like that, that's actually tragic. And, or, and also 
besides it being dangerous, I hold it back because I don't want that to hold me back in society because like, oh, he's an angry black man. Gotta be careful. Right. Um, so last year was a big year that helped me to start to befriend my anger because, you know, we get these mixed messages or we get only one side of the the message about anger, where it's like anger can be destructive. It could tear down things. You can hurt people, all this stuff. So don't be angry. Uh, right. But anger does the opposite too. Anger also protects. And if we don't have healthy relationship with anger, then it's hard to protect ourselves like we need to. It's hard to protect other people, other like healthy things, communities. So developing that healthy relationship, man, that's a big thing uh, for me to show up more me in 2023. Well, that is, I am, man, I'm so glad that you're, you're bringing up that, that aspect of anger. Well, I've recently been doing a little bit of examining of like a bit of a shadow side that I'm having to get into contact with related to the archetype of masculinity within myself. You know, like there's been, I know several generations of men on one side of my family where there was, um, well, obviously I'm on my dad's side where we were, we've had some struggles with anger. And I think that like, I, I stuff, I've stuffed down the, that masculine archetype in an effort to, you know, make a shadow side and every, and then under stress, the anger and the irritation comes out. And I remember in 2020, uh, you know, after I had had an episode I'm not proud of where my anger just really leaked out. And I was like, that's it. I need to do some work on this in this area. And I did, besides some coaching, I did lots of journaling and lots of research and reading. And I remember coming across that Seneca, the f- philosopher Seneca's whole treatise um, on day era against anger. And at that point, I was like persuaded, you know, I was like, oh, right. yeah, anger is nothing but a bad thing. Get it out of your house, as he would, as he said. But then over time, through a lot more healing and work and self-understanding and understanding about anger, man, is like, it was like I began to realize anger is energizing and anger is when you stand up for anger in a healthy way, you're standing up for an injustice that you either feel on a micro level or as a community on a macro. Very much so. Yeah, I just, so I'm just, I'm agreeing, I'm agreeing with you. Well, let's stay on that topic a tiny bit and just say, you know, could you just talk about what's it like in a lot of these contexts being the only person of color in a world where, you know, you feel surrounded by others who aren't like you? Yeah, it's um being in the Enneagram space and it is growing in diversity, which I am thankful for. Um, and I think the whole the whole community is thankful for because we always get something new when someone else comes in with a new experience, and a new culture. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, we, we all do. We all enriched. And so I go to these spaces and many times I, yes, I am the only black person. Um, and then to be a male and you know, this to be a male in the space is also yeah, rare. So that's true too. So I'm walking around and then to be on the younger side at this point in my life, 
in the room is a whole different one. So, you know, I'm just like this, you know, handsome brown unicorn walking around the room all of a sudden, like, oh, all right, hey, y'all do it. You know, yeah. so, um, so, so it's fascinating. It's something that I am thankful when I was young, my mother put me into all kind of programs that were diverse. So mm. I got used to being around and within diversity and different cultures and backgrounds. So, so I have a, a natural way of like understanding how to move and how to navigate in those situations and still being able to be a little bit more myself, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's always this moment when, especially like Enneagram spaces, when things get um, pretty deep or they get real intense where, you know, you, there's a, a feeling where I don't feel understood enough like it's it's certain it's certain ways like you know and there's a few people but sometimes it's most people they can't understand enough right so if I if I need to speak not eloquent but I need to say what I need to say you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying without Mm -hmm. having to edit all of my words so people understand what I'm trying to convey you know that's something I don't have a lot inside of the Enneagram like space on a general basis. And so that's a lot. That's energy exhaustive, first of all, right? Because of having to filter, feeling like the, always. you're always having to filter. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, well, what I mean by this when I say this is this, you know? So that's like, a, mm. oh my goodness. So mm-hmm. you don't have that ability sometimes to truly let down uh, some of the guard that we as black people carry, we as black people carry in America specifically because of how structures and, and things are already set up, you know, right. so it's hard to let those down for me. And a, a big part of the work has been me being able to let those down a, a little bit more because when I'm at, whenever I'm in uh, Enneagram space and I know I'm going there to do some work work, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm about to get vulnerable <laughs> and I paid a nice <laughs> amount to get vulnerable. So it's going to happen. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. So I'm always like, I mean, I say some words that are a little bit stronger, but I'd be like, forget this. I'm going in. I don't care who's in here because I care about healing and being liberated more than I care about what people think about me in this space. Like that's how I have to go into it because if not, there's a big part of me that will, stay guarded and held back and it won't allow me to heal like I need to heal. And my healing and my liberation is way more important than what I feel people will pigeonhole me or think about me or anything. So I'm like, get this. I'm doing, I'm doing my thing. Um, So that's kind of uh, energy I have to take into it sometimes. And, And, and every once in a while it's, it's tough because, um, some people will have conversations and maybe they're misinformed or maybe they're, you know, it's, it's not like they're necessarily their intentions are bad per se, yeah. but sometimes the, the way the the words that they use or they're talking about something they don't know what they're talking about um, or they're just unaware, right? The unawareness is the biggest piece and it happens in many arenas, right? The Enneagram truly is about awareness. So we, we can right. know what to work on. Yeah. The, the, the tricky part is that we have so many blocks of unawareness in our lives and we have to do the work to be more aware of them. So cultural competency, understanding these areas is very important. And if you don't do work in these areas, if you don't try to learn these areas, it makes you very inconsiderate of people or, or in certain pockets of your life or inconsiderate of something in certain pockets of your life. And so 
as a person of color, I get a lot of that brunt of people's unawareness and being inconsiderate without them knowing. And so it's like, and do you do feel I, like you can, and I guess you don't feel like you can always say something without making them feel comfortable or being then like, I'm, I'm the token black guy who's having to say something on behalf of, right. <laughs> of every. And so now you're almost marginalizing me again. Right. Um, it's, it, it's that, it's that, um, that's the energy exhausted exhausted part. It's like, okay, do I address this now? Do I use the energy to address this now because it touches something in me mm-hmm. or is it not worth using my energy for this at this moment? So it's like gauging that. Yeah. Um, which, which is, which is important because, you know, you, you can't, uh, you can't uh, attempt and say something every time. Like, it's just not it. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's and right, so, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure it must happen a lot of times that you're having to filter when the context is appropriate. Yes. Um, I mean, because before people truly get to know me or know, I'm usually as much as I have seven energy, I kind of keep my space a little bit unless mm-hmm. I like find a real, like a wavelength. I'm like, okay, this person, we on a good wavelength. I got to keep my distance because I can feel that they're unaware or that they're like so excited that a black person's there that it's like, <gasps> Oh, it's like, oh gosh, stop. I'm human. Interesting. So you, you're, you're a leader in the space. You're, you're on the global board of directors of the IEA, the International Enneagram Association. How long have you been a part of that? And I guess, you know, as a follow-up question, do you feel comfortable in that space with diversity, equity, and inclusion? So great. Oh, great question. Um, so I've been on the board probably almost two years now. I think coming up on two years, almost, you know, no pandemic and after pandemic year, it just, it all goes together. I don't know what year is what. Okay. <laughs> it's a blur. Yeah. It's a real blur. Uh, but I think I'm coming upon about two years now. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm, I'm going to sound pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm like the, the first and maybe only black male has ever been on the IA board. Uh, I could be wrong, but hey, I you're you're pioneering. <laughs> I've never seen anyone else. I would <laughs> never seen a I picture of anyone else. Um, something I something I would say is um, I'm finding that we are getting better at it, uh, being more inclusive and diverse uh, mm-hmm. overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not there. We are not there, uh, but we are getting better and we do have a focus for it um, now that we're doing it. And I think it's important that, and, and this is a one, I have to still constantly check my ego at, at the, at, as well. But the, when I'm trying to bring in a new idea, something fresh, something new, something that like a younger generation would like be, want to come be a part of the IEA, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. there can be a little bit of like, what's this guy talking about here? Like, what's going on, right? Mm. And so bringing, bringing that in and that infusion of, you know, energy or new ideas and things like, you know, there can be kind of a, a battle or a shift or they, or they can't see. It. It's a seven thing anyway. Like, it's not even just a young thing. It's a seven thing, right? I can see something in the future working out. And so you know, maybe I'm not delivering in a way that they truly can understand it. Right. So then it's kind of like a, well, we don't know about that. And it's like, but I do know about it and I'm certain. (laughs) So, um, 
Right, right. So I have to check my ego on that. But, you know, I, I see the board. We're, it's, it's a heavy focus that we're really trying to be globally inclusive and diverse without um, minimizing the impact on like cultures and groups that have not just been marginalized, but are continuously being marginalized. Um, and so making efforts to be aware and to do things to create, to create equity, you know, is something we're working on. And I think we're getting better and better at. Well, that's an honest take. And I appreciate your overview of that and the experience you're going through. You've also founded your own coaching company in Memphis called Kaizen Careers. And you guys are offering an Enneagram certification program through your your coaching firm. Yes. So you want to, and so that's maybe a part of the IEA work you've been doing. We want to tell us a little bit about what's, what, I mean, that's a big thing to develop an actual full-fledged certification in the Enneagram. Uh, how's, how's the groundwork with that going and um, what, what kind of unique offerings or distinctions do you guys use in your process? Yeah, so so one of the the first things, which is very obvious, I'm like the only black person doing Enneagram certification program right now. Like I don't know, there, may, I think <laughs> there that, we go. <laughs> that's the first unique offering. So you yeah. people get a people get a they they learn and understand the Enneagram from a whole different context and lens as well. So I've studied mm-hmm. under who knows how many teachers who got big books, and we. <laughs> We people who like we got our Enneagram lineage from, right? Lineage from. So like I've studied under Ginger, Russ, B, like, yeah. you know, Jerry Wagner, and this mm-hmm. list goes on. Deborah Egerton. So I've I've studied under these people and I'm constantly still learning from them. And so one, I bring that in. And then I bring in my own wisdom that I've gained from my own experiences of working with people and the overlay of culture on top of it. Okay. The overlay of culture, which is huge. And the I would say the biggest thing besides going into more of it, besides working in community, is that I, I'm very practical. And so each after each class, each week, there's practical work to do. Um, there's community work to do that you do with it. So you're learning the Enneagram from a standpoint of how do I utilize it in my life, however I want to, but also how did I do the work on myself as well? So it's a both and. You don't just get one. You don't just get the other. Like we're doing both and. And I don't play about that, like, because it's it's serious. Like, you know, to me, this is very serious to, yeah. like, be able to liberate people and liberate yourself. Um, so that's the unique offering. It's it's pretty. We do head, heart, and body work for sure. Yeah. Oh yes. What do you guys uh, do? You, do you do subtype work? How how important oh. is, are subtypes to you? Oh, you know, I love subtypes, man. Man, you know, I love. <laughs> listen. Listen, that's another piece. This is yeah. something I said on a podcast episode. I said, if you don't know the subtypes, to me, you don't know the Enneagram yet, really. Whoa. Because, I mean, it's a, that's, that's a pretty big statement, but you're missing out. Like, you're, you're literally missing. If you're doing that, you're missing it's, nine. I know. It's hard to explain to people, right? right? Like, you're, you're blocking out nine people at least because of the, the counter types. You're blocking them out because they will never figure out who they are, most likely, if you only stick with the types without like the counter types. I mean, right. the, the subtypes. Ooh. And so for those who, who are not familiar with the, the subtypes, the counter types are the types 
within those subtypes that seem to run against the the grain of the the natural passion of that type so that they don't seem uh, maybe like a social seven may not mm-hmm. seem like a social seven. And that is, you're right. That makes some people so much harder to type. And it's part of the magic and brilliance of the subtypes. We love that work. That's where I met you was, yep. uh, in June. It's just this past year, not even a year ago. Uh, in California at a CP Enneagram retreat. Uh, and yes, the, the learning there was intense, was it? <laughs> you are not lying. You are not lying. Intense in a wonderful way. Man, yes. those, those kinds of experiences are really uplifting um, yeah. and just edifying. And if you keep the work going, it stays with you. It's not just that like little high that you come, you know, you come back from like you were doing like a, like a, on those youth retreats, you know, right, right. all emotional and... <laughs> Um, let's see. I, you know, wanted to, so this episode is going to come out right before world Enneagram day and you'll be a moderator for that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about world Enneagram day? It's a day where we are literally trying to get people around the world who are fans of the Enneagram, who know the Enneagram enthusiasts, and we have an event and it's free for everyone to come to. And and this year, we always do something a little bit different. Um, But this year uh, we have six uh, different speakers who will be speaking at the IAA Global Conference that's coming up in July uh, mm-hmm. which we which we encourage everybody to come to if you can make it, but also there's a virtual uh, track for it too. So whichever way, we'd love for you to be a part of it. But uh, where Enneagram Day is really bringing us together over the something that we have in common, which is the Enneagram, right? And if we have the Enneagram in common, we have something that can truly be uh, liberating and helpful to people, healing to people around the world. And so last year we had around almost, I think, 800 people on Zoom, which is amazing, by the way. Um, yeah, that's a great turnout. Right, exactly. Um, and it, I mean, it's, it's free. I mean, come on, sign <laughs> I up. Love you know that. what I'm saying? Like, it's we're free. definitely going to put that in the show notes. Please so do. Everybody will be able to link there. And we're giving out a couple of we're giving out a we're giving out a couple of free gifts as well to attendees. So, how long is World Enneagram Day? They linked it. I think it's um it's at 11 a.m. is when it starts Eastern Time. Right. Right. Did I get that right? Okay. And does it just keep on going or is it just like an hour or what, what's it like? So where Enneagram Day is going to be about, about four hours. We're going to okay. go about four hours. Me and uh, Tom, the other moderator, we're going to go off and on, um, switching up with the presenters. And so they'll present or they'll share a, a snippet of what they're going to share. Really interesting topics, by the way. People are taking the Enneagram in some amazing places. And yes. <laughs> fascinating. And uh, so we're going to switch on and off. And then there will be like a short period of time after each presentation for questions from the audience. Uh, if we have time, because obviously there's going to be a lot of people, but um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. And you can, people can hop on and literally from around the globe. It is such a unifying experience. That's really cool. Well, man, Milton, it's just, uh, thank you so much for taking some time to share some of your experience, some of your your wisdom and insights uh, with the Big Self community. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Big Self community. Uh, yeah. I hope you are doing well. I hope you're growing and transforming and, you know, just shifting the way that we be so that we can do great works in this world. Yeah. 
We are all about big ideas and how to integrate them into a more sustainable life, to open up your learning, level up your self-awareness and consciousness, and move from surviving to thriving to flourishing. And I think what Milton Stewart is trying to help us see is that we can develop our awareness not only for ourselves, but for the ways we can be in the world with all the different perspectives and identities that surround us. And for me, that these are conversations that we should be having. You know, I've been thinking about all the ways we can talk and use language. And when it comes down to it, we are always having one of three kinds of conversations, effective, ineffective, and missing conversations. And discussions about race and non-majority experiences are, generally speaking, missing conversations from a great portion of our culture's day-to-day experiences. We're not talking here about victim consciousness. We're simply talking about awareness, self-awareness, which leads to other awareness. And speaking of communication and awareness of self and others, in the next episode, Shelly and I discuss the idea that you should always expect tension and conflict in life and that to not have it would be kind of boring. But even if you don't think it would be boring, (laughs) it's the way life is. So we might as well adapt to it and bring it into awareness. So check it out, a real life application discussing themes related to what we have with us here today. And you know where to find us at BigSelfSchool.com, where we offer one-to-one coaching, as well as trainings and workshops for organizations big and small. Here's to seeing you on our next episode of The Big Self Show.